summer may be over, but I think it's time for a little bit of seaside repression, personal angst, and Lars von Trier again on Overdue Rentals. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about God's creatures and breaking the waves with the one, the only, Emily Watson. Cue that music! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Overdue Rentals, the show where we're talking about films that people are not talking enough about anymore. I don't even know if those words make sense in that order, but I'm here to talk about them with my good friend, Mike Reyes. Oh, I already told you his name because oh, no. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And I I, I mean, we've never really had a, a, uh, any confusion no. on that because besides the fact that both of us wear glasses and sometimes have facial hair, the 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 similarities are are not that striking, but in a good way because I'd like to think we're we're our own men. But yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely different people. But in the same time, who knows? Maybe we're clones, and you just don't know about it. But more importantly, Mike, as 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 I am so thrilled because I saw it on your face when we were doing this interview, and when you admitted, like I okay, side quick quick note before we start. Poor Matthew messages me afterwards, and he's like. I don't know if I did very well in there. I think I tripped over myself. And I told him he did fine. But I can see why he was afraid because uh, I know we mentioned at the top of the show, but just because we have such an esteemed guest, Matthew, who are we talking about? Then what are we talking about? The one and only Emily Watson. My God, because we are here to talk about her new film, God's Creatures, which is about a small seaside fishing village in Ireland where a mother after her son's return from living in Australia opens up I don't want to say a can of worms because that seems almost weird and cliche but and a good fishing pun oh yeah exactly but a lot a lot of things happen plus though because Emily Watson is with us how can we not talk about Lars Rantry is breaking the ways which was her feature film debut which is I'll go well you know I'll go into later my my history with this movie but for those who haven't seen it it is a film also about a small village in Scotland uh, that kind of is 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 over is has a a big overbearing fist of religion hanging over it, and a young woman uh, who goes through some massive changes after meeting the man that she's marries, and that's like a very that's not even a good description of the movie because we'll talk about it later. There's a lot to talk about this movie to get into the the actual meat of this thing, right? Yeah. Um, folks, I don't think I have to tell you this. I don't think we have to tell you this, but just a quick trigger warning. This is a <laughs> Lars von Trier film we are going to talk about. <laughs> and technically the rule of thumb for Lars von Trier films is the further you get into the running time, the more depressing, more outrageous, or just more grim, the grimmer things get. And uh, Breaking the Waves, uh, I mean, it, I mean, uh, <laughs> this, this is gonna be a fun little statement. Breaking the Waves maybe, may not be a dancer in the dark scenario, but you know, it's still, it still holds its own in terms of the uh, human suffering. Well, I mean, we'll get into it later, of course. But I will say, <laughs> I will say though, you have to admit, as 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 dark and messed up as it can be, it actually kind of ends on a more uplifting note well, than, <laughs> than. Well, 
a more uplifting note on camera, I would say. Yes. But with Dancer in the Dark, when you listen to that ending and you listen to that last song, mm-hmm. that is the happy ending. And with that, though, I think let's get Emily in here to talk about these films, and then we'll come back and we'll dive deeper into, into both of these. Emily Watson, please, thank you. You're welcome. No, just... Mike, you Welcome take- to the Overdue Rentals counter. Please have as much candy and soda as you <gasps> want or water because this is rough. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. This is such a thrill. Pleasure. <laughs> um, I just want to jump off and really get into talking about, you know, Eileen, Aileen as a character compared to the rest of the story that's going on around her because this is a very personal story that's dealing with how she's dealing with everything that's going on, but it is also a larger community that's dealing with things. Do you take a script and feel that you have to personalize it or can you see the whole picture toward, toward creating your character? I think, I think they're both the same thing in a way because Aileen exists, her, her, the way she lives her life is being very much at the center of that community with the women she works with and the, the local pub and you know there are they are people who do traditional things they they go to mass and they sing at the blessing of the boats and they live the traditional life and they live within the framework of the catholic church um and i think what i love about this story is the way that it examines her place in that and and it's the whole community and their relationship with sexual assault. And that there is no, there is no moral framework in that community mm. that deals with sexual assault. It's like, a, this doesn't happen here. We don't deal with it. We don't talk about it. We close ranks around the accused and we ostracize the accuser. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if, you're a Catholic or you've been raised as a Catholic, but I know for a fact that Brian and Aileen have never had a conversation about consent. You know, that's the basis of this, is that this is a world and a moral framework which which is rotten. But even though she, if they haven't had that conversation, I then again also start to wonder where she feels, like for instance, that first when you first see him back in the very opening of the film, you know, it's easy to take it as, oh, I haven't seen him in forever, but it's also easy to take it as, oh no, he's back. I was hoping for better for him or now there may be problems, who knows? So right. there's more, right. more beyond just that one conversation. I think, no, I think it's, um, it, it's not explicit in the script, in the, in, in, the, in the film, but that moment when he arrives, she had, it is, in the immediate answer to a prayer, she picks up the baby and she sings to the baby. And there is a moment where she prays to God, please send my son home to me. She puts the baby down and looks up and Paul Mescal is standing right there. And he then becomes the embodiment of blessing and divine joy that has mm-hmm. entered her life. And she can then see no wrong. She, Everybody around her is going, this is really messed up. Your relationship is messed up. He has just come back to mess with this family and to disrupt everything in the way that, you know, and they're a family that's obviously have complicated conditions around, you know, violence. There's the, the, 
the grandfather is violent to her. There's obviously been violence between the father and the son, and he's back and it's all being stirred up again, but she just worships him. And their relationship is dodgy. I mean, it's verging with kind of leaning into it being not sexual, but just they're too close. It's really uncomfortable. And so when his presence then is very much questioned, she can't. And, and her response to being asked to provide an alibi is like she's like an animal. She just says, no, there's no, there's no reason there. There's no question. There's no enlightenment. It's just no, flat, no, you, I will kill you. If you mess with my boy, I'll kill you. Mm. And to that extent, it's God's Creatures isn't an easy movie because of the fact that you see Eileen wrestling with those twin urges of, you know, fighting for the truth. And of course, you know, being a woman herself. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's not explicitly said for the character, but she's probably had a run in with someone who's gotten too close and over crossed the line. But then at the same time, that's her son. And it's puts you in that sort of crossroads of like which one is the more overriding impulse yes i think that that's what i love about the 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 whole setup of the screenplay and the way that it's put together it is about those ties that bind those incredibly potentially toxic bonds that we cannot explode we cannot get away from and when you break them it's like breaking them the atom you know it's um, and, 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 you know, so much of the film is the queasiness of that moral dilemma that she has to, she has to wrestle with. She set herself up for either way. She, she, it's a lose-lose situation. And how does she live with herself? Especially because the, uh, as we had said before, the community is so tight-knit that there is an ostracization of not only the victim, but also Eileen, because there's, you have these two different factions and they are very slowly, methodically laid out throughout the film. And again, just queasy is the perfect word for it because it just slowly turns up the heat to the point where it's like, where does this go? Yes. And, and then the sense of kind of the, the strength of that conviction of the community to, to support him and to close ranks that get around him is so strong and so powerful and so, um, you know, in a way she has to, it's incredible, takes incredible courage to go against it. But at the same time, she's still wrapped in that moral, you know, when the, when the moment comes and she says, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. I don't want to spoil too much. But again, the, the, the relevant moment is, again, is a prayer. I'm going to let God decide now what happens here because I'm not enough of a person to, to take the responsibility for my own actions. And then the end of the film really is that Sarah is delivered into freedom and Aileen is in perpetual, perpetual torment. But then again, since it is, since we're watching the personal story, of, of this one family in this one situation. I'm not trying to imply that the movie is telling us that, again, the, the funeral they're at at the beginning and that whole discussion about teaching somebody to swim, you know, it doesn't mean there may be something else going on behind the scenes there, but it's, it's not just their family. It's the idea that there's 
a whole community that's probably dealing with similar things. Um, yes. And I, I just, you know, that, that idea of happiness, whether it's in small or large communities, is almost a facade half the time. Yes, I think, I mean, this story is partly inspired by um, real events in Ireland. There are instances of this exact scenario of a community closing ranks in this way. Um, I think we, you know, love is painful, you know, and we, we, in a particularly in a in a you know religious context, religion can 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 excuse so many things and can stop you discussing and being truthful and real and feeling free about who you are and what you want and you know there's so much is repressed and it becomes toxic and dangerous. It's so strange that we're it's finally become more prevalent in the normal day to day talk, but that toxicity has been there for so long. It's just so yeah. strange that we're now just getting to that discussion somehow. Yes, yes, amazing, really. You know, where is the commandment, thou shalt not rape? Where is it? Yeah. Doesn't, I mean, Sinead O'Connor said all this a few decades ago, or, you know, however long ago was, and was ostracized and made mm -hmm. to feel that she was insane. Yeah, it's, 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 it's also strange because, you know, that also happened, of course, when I was, at the perfect young impressionable age and so you're seeing something happen and but what i get is of course the headlines and i see that's what they're saying so not to say that my views luckily didn't get shifted but how many people were shut down because of how it was played out yeah yeah this it's sort of you know we we sort of tell stories about conspiracy theories and sinister government influences but we in south we are in a way we have all that in our own makeup we can deny things and shut things down and not have honest conversations about things that lead to very potently dangerous personal situations. Yeah. Actually in smaller, more cloistered societies such as the one we see in God's Creatures, as well as, I mean, anywhere in the world, uh, there's still plenty of small to mid-level towns in America where things like this can happen and it, can it might become a bit of a, a media circus locally but then it just it dies down and as you said everybody closes ranks and yes. institutions are sadly still very good for those sorts of things yes i mean our, our i don't know about here but our legal system offers such little redress for victims of sexual assault that people don't even bother going to the police these days it's it's got worse rather than better. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's unfortunate that it is definitely that's a worldwide thing. But um, you know, to to go back to you know, interesting we, we were talking earlier about the, the close knit Christian community or Catholic communities, because we do like to talk on overdue rentals about films that we think people don't talk enough about anymore. And your your big breakthrough, your your first film breaking the waves technically, was you know, also dealt with this idea of how religion's seen in these communities. Um, and that, that film changed my life when I saw it. Uh, and I, I just have to go back and ask if you were prepared when that jumping onto that being the first film, the whirlwind that was gonna come out of all of it. No, <laughs> I was not. Um, it was very, um, it was like being in a whirlwind. Um, 
a good whirlwind in lots of ways. You know, it opened up a career for me that I'm still feeding my family off here, however many years later it is. Um, but it was, I, I had no idea, I had, didn't really know anything about filmmaking. I didn't know about the context of what it was. Um, and it, you know, it became a much talked about um, cultural sort of touch point for a lot of people. Um, and it was quite bewildering to be part of that conversation. But also jumping, I mean, how familiar with, because the idea is that, you know, that was Lars after the whole Dogma 95, you know, quote unquote manifesto come out, came out. So not only are you necessarily just jumping into like the film world from there, mm -hmm. but there's this whole aura of like, it's supposed to be this. And I don't know if that's exactly what was told, meant to be. And who knows how this is going to affect me further breaking, on down the line in doing film. Breaking the Waves is not a dogma film. It doesn't, yeah, exactly, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't follow a lot of the rules. Um, but the sense of that, the, 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 the sort of spirit of what that was and what they were trying to do is very much in it. Um, you know, I it was a huge culture shock for me to go from making that movie where I was just always in a scene with the other actors and then the camera was there, but it was always moving around. Just as it, it was as if it was a character, an actual mm. person in the scene. It was very free and always on the move and we didn't have to pay much attention to its presence or constraints going from that then into conventional filmmaking was what I had, what, what are we doing? Why, why is everybody behaving like this? I don't understand. It was a very, very different experience. And there's always sort of a voyeurism inherent with Von Trier's work, especially because of that camera work and just sort of the straight and narrow visuals that make up most of his work, especially earlier films. Uh, we covered Dancer in the Dark earlier on our show. And that's another case where it's just, you, you almost feel like you're watching something, you're watching people through some yeah. sort of window that you shouldn't be looking through. Yes, yes. Um, there's a there's a emotional intimacy that you achieve in that kind of work that is very difficult to replicate. It's the, the fact that the camera is just so present and so, um, you get used to it. You get you get a sort of familiarity, and it becomes like somebody that you really are close to, and you can you don't have to hide anything from them, or you don't have to prepare for them. Or it's it's yeah, it's it's a powerful thing. You know, I I always adhere to the idea that as long as whatever I take away from a film or a performance should be all that matters. It doesn't matter what maybe the filmmaker was trying to say, the actors were trying to say, the writer, whatever it may be. But I do go back to watch, when I was re-watching Breaking the Waves, I started to think to myself, I wonder in preparation, did you think that when I'm performing those scenes where I'm talking to God or God's talking back, in her head, did she actually think that God was talking back or she knew, but she had a, she had, that's the only way she could deal with it is if she made that voice. I'm wondering what kind of decisions you made for that. Um, she, Looking back on it, I think she sort of created the mechanism of it. And last we talked about that, he said it's like a child talking to their dolls. But yeah, yeah definitely, she believed she was talking to God one in return. Especially after her, you know, her prayers are sort of, and again, this is another case of a prayer that's answered, but after yeah. lost. Only this time it's Jan coming home 
with his uh, with being paralyzed. And then yeah. poor Bess has to reckon with that. And because of the close, the closeness to the emotionality of it all, I have to say, you just broke me with this movie because this poor woman, like, this is like an idea. She got the ideal relationship in life, so to speak. Like she saved herself for marriage. She was a, a good girl, as she keeps telling herself. And then this was supposed to be the, the great reward. And then something comes along and just dashes it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, powerful stuff, very sort of, you know, um, in other hands, well, you know, in some, in some ways looking at it, it's very manipulative, you know, it's the, those outside forces, but, but it, at the same time, there's a sense of it feeling very real. Uh, and that's the thing you have to do as an actor, you have to totally buy it, you have to go, this is real, and I'm going to just act as if this is actually real, um, until somebody tells me to stop. Mm. And then, and then maybe, you know, years later, you look back and you can see the puppet master. But at the time, you're just going, oh, wow. <laughs> well, also very much so in the way that we were talking about how sexual assault and rape is this conversation that for some reason wasn't talked about the way it is today in the past um, is, is also now mental health, the way we're talking about it now. And, mm -hmm. you know, even when Breaking the Waves came out, you know, people would probably say things like she was touched or she was a simpleton or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. And I'm wondering where you actually kind of put her on some sort of, not, not trying to refer to autistic spectrum at, at all anyway, but what kind of plane you put her on in your own head? Um, to me, she was right, brilliant. Um, that's the only way I could really, she had, she had the power, she had the power, <laughs> you know, um, and she had the power of love and yeah. she had a hotline to God and she thought she was very lucky. I don't think it was my job necessarily to define her mental illness because that would have meant me not believing mm. in her. Yeah. Yeah, there's a certain autonomy. So I think we have time for one last question. And I was just wondering, obviously, Lars von Trier is this auteur, this you know, powerful force to be reckoned with when it comes to making emotionally and personally devastating films. What do you think was the greatest advantage of starting off your film career in one, in a film of that nature? It gave me a fearlessness, I think, um, and an intimacy with the camera that I, you know, I think the, the camera can be very intimidating um, if you're not, get just, just that amount of just being scenes over and over again with a camera and you wouldn't hang around to change lighting setups or anything, you just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. Occasionally they would change the lens, but it was total immersion. And the camera, if, if there was magic happening, the camera was just there to, to, to eat it up. Um, there were, but there was the chances, you, you, just that way of shooting gives you much, much more chance that magic might happen because there's no stopping and starting. There's no, the artifice is much less um, present. 
Emily, thank you so much for your time. Fantastic talking to you and, and have a great thank day. You. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you did not like her before, you surely like her now that she's been on Overdue Rentals and shown herself, as always, to be class act. I believe the woman's middle name should be Powerhouse because <laughs> to think that Breaking the Waves is her first film and seeing how much she throws herself into Bess. You know, yeah, that's actually one thing I didn't get to, I wanted to ask her about that I forgot was, you know, again, cause like there's, as her first film, we talked a lot about, you know, dealing with with the, the pressure of not only being your first film, but it's a Lars and Trier film. And even though while he wasn't as big then as he is now, this, you know, this was the one that gave him more uh, mainstream attention than any of his other films. He was like the up and rising kind of star in, in a lot of ways. So it was a big thing to deal with it. But like, when, when Katrin as Dodo is like screaming in her face at the end and she can't, she's not moving. I don't even know how you pull that off, whether it's on stage, on screen. It's like, it's absolutely like mind blowing. Well, what I really wanted to ask her on more on the technical end is, okay, this is Emily Watson's first film. And this is a time and, and, and place where intimacy coordinators are not a thing. Mm. I was very curious how on her first film, like there's, there's all of this, sexuality and then like you know there's an early scene with her and Stellan Skarsgård where he's basically nude in front of her yeah. naked as the day he was born and one of the only re one of the reasons that I did want to mention that is because do you know who was originally considered for Bess? Uh, yeah it was Helena Bottom Carter. Yes and she dropped out just before shooting because according to Wikipedia large amounts of nudity and sexuality required by the role and especially in the 90s and any of the pre-intimacy coordinator days these are the sorts of movies that you know if you unless you know that director you're not really sure if they're just trying to be salacious or, or yeah. you know obviously we know Lars von Trier is just he is a provocateur but he's not a smut peddler the man is just well well later on he got a lot I'll, I'll, there's two things I will say I mean because again as much as I you know that a lot of, well, of the thing you said is true you know, going back and rewatching, because I haven't watched Breaking the Waves in a long time, but rewatching it again, I actually found a lot of those things, not tamer per se, but there was much less of it than I remember. And it was, it was, and it was almost much less of the actual story than I remember. It's still part of it, but it, you know, it, it wasn't like the, the, the main pinning point of, of everything. I mean, it was, but seeing it wasn't. Um, and then the other thing is like, talking about him not being a spot peddler. And again, I'm not trying to, because I, 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 I love most of his films, but I remember a very vivid story from when Dogville came out and where Nicole Kidman said her first meeting with Lars von Trier was he picked her up from the airport in his van and in the back of it was just piles of pornography. I don't know if this is true. I may be misremembering misrem it. Wow. Don't take my word on this. Maybe I shouldn't even say it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll cut it. I don't know. I just remember that allegedly. being a story. This is yeah, an allegedly, allegedly, story, allegedly, yeah. alleged story yeah. that was communicated through interviews. We do not, we here at Over to Rentals do not know Lars von Trier personally. No, I don't. Although if he ever does feel like talking to us, by all means. Um, Which may be tough nowadays, unfortunately, due to his diagnosis. But, um, but yeah, well, I, I will say, and, um, I know we're kind of glancing over God's creatures here and I apologize, but I think we're going to have a lot to talk about and break with breaking the ways because going back, and I know if we've talked about this before, but you know, for Lars Van Trier for me, he was 
my doorway into modern foreign cinema. My father had seen what at the time in the US was called Zentropa, which is actually called Europa, but they didn't want to call it Europa in the US because the movie Europa Europa came out three or four years earlier. And they thought there was gonna be a mix-up, so they called it Zentropa, which is actually his production company because of that, because there is the Zentropa um, train uh, company in the movie. But that movie was like, that was like a game changer for me. And that was the movie before, well, that wasn't technically the movie before Breaking the Ways, but it was the, it was the bigger movie before Breaking the Ways. Um, and then Breaking the Ways came out and it caused, you know, pun intended, I guess, a massive splash. You know, this thing was why it's an overdue rental because this thing was including Emily Watson, Academy Award nominated. It was, everybody was like, oh my God, can you believe that this exists almost? And, you know, like a powerhouse of a film. So, and this is what bought his name into the mainstream as far as um, outside of uh, Germany, Austria and Europe, uh, Denmark, you know, wherever, you know, wherever you want to, it's hard to kind of place him in, in a lot of senses. You should say Denmark, but <laughs> if you see his movies, or because that's actually the other thing before before um breaking the waves also came out there was the first uh section of the kingdom which i all because and the thing is at the time i didn't even know it was his like we had already seen centropa and then my father and i are in the video store and we see this box for the kingdom and what is this and it's like like er on acid and uh we pick it up and it's both the it's five hours long and it's both the funniest and scariest thing you'll ever see in your entire life. And for those who don't know, it also inspired Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital, which came out much later on. And the idea for the kingdom was it was supposed to be he was going to make one every year leading up into the millennium. And then, unfortunately, one of, one of the stars died. Uh, and so he stopped it for the second one. And the third one is now coming out, though. There is a third part finally coming out. Uh, you will be able yeah. to see uh, maybe when you listen to this. Who knows? Um, but... Um, so yeah, so and then so I was obsessed with those things, and then here comes breaking the waves. So my 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 world changed at that point, and I'm rambling. Mike, stop me. I want to stop you, but at the same time, <laughs> it really is like it really is fun to just watch you really dig into your lawyers von Trierdom, especially with this one and and talking to Emily. But yeah, flipping yeah. things over to God's creatures. Y- y- there was another movie that I was kind of thinking about this because this is like a new genre of film that you know maybe we'll get more of these on overdue rentals because um there was a previous film that we've covered uh, I, know, I, know, I, knew you were I had a feeling okay you knew i was going for blow the man down yeah 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 it's just like the seaside towns with secrets and you know a good fishing industry and a equally good murder industry apparently yeah well at least in the in the in the, in the latter there um, yeah. oh. <laughs> like it's it, that's another parallel that it goes into spoiler territory, but you look at the ending of God's Creatures and you look at the ending of Breaking the Waves and there is a climactic death. And then the other character sort of has to deal with it. And in a sense, it is like the reckoning of their actions. Like they meant to do good in one way or another. It totally did not work. House of Cards is knocked over and now someone's dead and the, the survivor is racked with that guilt. Well, I think I think the and you know we we got into talking to this with Emily too. The thing of especially about God's Creatures is it's a film where it, it it's telling a personal story about specific people, but ultimately at the end of it, it's one of these things where again, not spoiling it, because I'm not gonna say specifically what happens, but whether or not you know you know or you don't know or 
you figure it out, whatever it is. But at the end of the movie, their personal stories may have not a knot tied around it. You know, there's 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 a finite ending for what we see, but it's just perpetuating all the stuff that still goes on in that community because nobody else is going to know. Nobody else is going to talk about it. It's just going to be shut down, just like the discussion of what happened at the time was shut down. And there's like kind of no solution. So it's actually the more dour way of looking at all of it than uh, even breaking the waves. Hooray! No one learned anything and humanity continues to be horribly shitty. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's good we can laugh about something so depressing, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I think we kind of have to after yeah. watching movies like this. Like, at least with the movies, the movies, the subject matter, not so much, but the movies themselves, it's like, okay, this is the breather afterwards. But obviously, you know, judging by the conversation that we just had, it's, it is a subject matter that we, sexual assault is a subject matter we take seriously. Yeah, of course, Especially absolutely. Movies can be so new, the right movies can be nuanced about how they tackled the subject. And this is something that's definitely on the rise now because we're a couple months out from uh, Universal releasing the movie She Said, which is all about the inve investigation into the, the Harvey Weinstein slash Me Too movement. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I, th I was just tying it back into God's Creatures, especially too, is what I think is great about the movie is, is that there's this very noir-esque mystery score that goes along with it, as if it's almost a murder mystery you're watching, but you're not. You're 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 basically so it's taking it it's taking it on all levels on on a certain seriousness that may not be there with other films. So even though this is more of a not supernatural not out of the box crazy action you know it's got that feeling that there's this this underpinning you know terror and like discomfort that's all there that comes out through what is traditionally used in more um fuller i guess uh storylines yeah and i went into this cold like, me too. I, only, I only saw the synopsis and I thought it was going to be a murder mystery because that first body that washed up. Which then comes again, we, we talked about a little bit with Emily actually, and we won't ruin a lot of that stuff like that, but that, that does, it's a lot more important than you think in so many different ways, even mm. though you don't know all the specifics about it. Yeah. But obviously God's creatures is it's, it, it, even if you're just an Emily Watson fan, it's worth watching it for Emily Watson's performance because, yeah. again, the woman does so much with the full spectrum of emotion. And, like, she's very reserved and very taciturn with God's creatures. But then, breaking the waves, she's all over the map because of this poor woman and, and her mental state where she's talking to and talking to and as God and just all of these other histrionics that she goes through because of just the person that she is. Like she is a very, she believes in this, ro the romantic ideal. As, as I had mentioned in the conversation, she gets the romantic ideal according to her own religion where she saved herself for marriage. She was a good girl. She finds this man that she's in love with and marries him. And it's like, from that point on, that's where most movies would have just tied it off. And that's your sunset. <laughs> And then the rest of Breaking the Waves happens. It's, uh, it's, Breaking the Waves is also very similar. I, I, I always bring this up when I try to make this comparison. And I'm not saying this, the movies are similar in what they are because one's a documentary. 
but I always I always go back to talking about capturing the Freedmans as a documentary because it's something where it's not about trying to prove right or wrong or, or prove what happened. It's all about just showing what happened. But every other second, you're like, okay, yes, this is what happened. And then the next second, you're like, oh no, no, wait, that that couldn't have been. It's, it's there's no way. And then the next second, you're like, okay, but th- then this is what happened. And then breaking the waves is very much the same thing. It's like even though you know it's just coincidence and it's just life happening, you start to think, well, wait, are the, are her prayers being answered even if they're twisted? Or yeah. no, no, it's just it's just coincidence. And the next one happens, like. No, maybe it is. Oh no, it's just coincidence. And then the next one happens. And then you get to the end of the movie and you're just like, even without changing your mind, because the idea is that it's supposed it is very purposely pointing out that it is coincidence. It has this finite in essence ending in where it doesn't matter because it's it's that idea of of, of justification for somebody who did the right things in, in her own living not in justification of course not what happened to her but no, no the way no. I mean, again this is spoiler territory but i guess well, but i guess no, the way the heaven rewarded her it sounds so it sounds so weird saying it because it could be taken the wrong way i think people know what i mean though right say it again because i think i cut you off well, I'm just saying the way the heavens, you know, rewarded her, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We, we like to keep it light and breezy here on Overdue Rentals, especially when talking about Lars von Trier. Wait for our double feature where we talk about Melancholia and the house Jack built. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's, get into, let's get into our very, very important always asked questions. Ah. Well, when? Because I, I, I think I have an idea. I could be wrong. When did you first see this movie? For the recording. I had a feeling. Yeah. This is your yeah. first, this is your first, this is your first go around, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll be back this way again. Maybe. I mean, honestly, I, I don't mind that that's really more of a joke because I don't mind revisiting films with darker or even more dour tones because one, you know, I, I think revisiting stories like this kind of you know it's that's the the sour to the sweet of life as jason lee would have put it in vanilla sky like it sort of helps you appreciate well at least i'm not in that scenario but also just when the right filmmakers handle that sort of subject matter it's as compelling and as open to repeat viewing as the the brightest disney movie well, yeah, look, I will tell you, again, I know it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but I remember, I thought I remembered the movie so well, and then I'm watching again, I'm like, I realize I've, I've, I've misremembered it on a certain term, a lot of it, and, um, like, I remember, I remember in my head thinking that Dodo actually asked him to try and convince her to do these things, not specifically these things, but to try, ask him to try and help her break away from him uh, after the accident, and all these other things. And I also I also had a very vivid memory of somehow, even though if you follow the events, the ups and downs of the events, you should know that Jan actually gets better kind of at the end. In my head, I remember being a lot more of a shock that he was not only not dead, but mending the op- mending yeah. or in, in a positive way. I remember it being much more like a twist almost um, than, yeah, than it actually sort of is. A- 
there was that sort of overbearing cloud of like, well, he really isn't getting that much better. And this may just be yeah. a case of highs and lows and everybody sort of bracing themselves and surprise. Well, that, that's, I mean, look, the biggest surprise probably beyond, you know, not just regular story stuff is that I remember very vividly because this was, as we discussed, this was the film that came out after Lars Renshi was part of the whole Dogma 95 movement thing. And it pissed a lot of people off because it actually broke more any of the rules for the most, for, not for the most part. Most of the movie kind of does a year by it, but like we're sitting there watching it and it comes very, very, very start of the movie almost. You're like, you're watching this handheld shakiness and all natural light. And all of a sudden, bam, this brilliant, almost still, because it's not, there's movement in it. Just, picture of of these landscapes with classic rock music playing over it and you just like it's like you're like oh my god this is this is breathtaking and of course one of your favorite songs at one point is going to come on and then i it's funny i remember i i'm glad i looked this up on and it's only really wikipedia. good needle drops in this movie well it's it's very it's only on wikipedia that I, that I saw this and i'm glad it's there though because i very really remember watching it the first time and at the end that last one had Elton John playing, not David Bowie. And what I found out was is that originally they had wanted the Bowie's, which is Life on Mars, but then they, something happened with the rights, I guess. And so the, the uh, let me see how it explains it here. So they, they ended up putting Elton John in and then they reverted it back uh, on, on subsequent releases to put Life on Mars back in as, as the ending song. Um, which do you so, think was better? Well, I hardly remember it now. With because I, you know, in rewatching it, just hearing Bowie is now, I felt like that that was natural, but I remember so vividly being Elton John, you know. So I'm like, why was there no Elton John songs playing during this? I can't find the, 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 uh, the breakdown of a course right here, right now. Let's see. Um, let me do it. Let me search for Bowie. David Bowie. I'm really sad I missed Moonlight Day, Moon Age Daydream in uh, IMAX. Oh, you haven't seen? Uh, well, I didn't see it. I actually saw it at Dolby eighty eight. Well, like everyone has been saying, like, yeah, go see it, and I like see it in a theater, but prefer preferably go see it in IMAX, just because it's apparently that much of a trip. Okay, here is the here is the uh, the breakdown. The film is divided into seven different chapters. Each chapter begins with a different impress um, <laughs> impressionistically filmed panorama title frame featuring early 1970 rock music interludes. Each of these chapters is filmed with a motionless camera, but features movement in a panorama. In the original release of the film, the epilogue, quote unquote, the funeral, features David Bowie's Life on Mars, which was replaced by Elton John's Your Song on early home video releases, which is where I saw it. The most recent Criterion Edition restores the Bowie song, the overall style, and then it goes on to just go talk about Dogma 95 stuff. But the version that's now streaming on HBO Max, because Breaking the Waves is available on HBO Max for you to watch, including Centropa slash Europa, if you want to watch that as well, um, has Bowie's Life on Mars playing. So they, they it reverted in all terms back to Life on Mars. Upbeat 70s pop to help carry you through those dark days in a fishing village. That is what Overdue Rentals is here to offer you, folks. Is there life on Mars? I'll be back oh. next you know, I don't know. Sorry? I was like, copyright strike, maybe, no, I don't know. No, because I'm singing it. We were both singing it. Yeah. I was wondering if, well, I only asked that because I still remember from like way back in like season three of the Doctor Who revival, allegedly one of the one of the commentaries that they used to, they used to do like commentaries and put them out on the BBC website. 
Mm. There was one that was missing from the the DVD set because a cast member had sang like a copyrighted song. Interesting. And that I'm was always, sold for profit. And, and I'm always wondering, like, wait, is is are, are, could we get copyright struck if we sang it? Because I would love to sing things on here with you. Like, we're, well, we're, just, I mean, look, all we did was say "Life on Mars." Uh, nothing else, you know. Look for our David Bowie tribute band, Life on Ma. Yeah. It's like an A with an umlaut at the end or something. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. It's, 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 it's very popular. Uh, our, our, our biggest fan is, um, is, uh, um, Elton John. Well, no, I'm just, I just had the biggest goddamn brain fart. Uh, Duncan Jones. Uh, ooh. I'm going to be right back because I'm going to go grab my notebook. Okay. Because I feel time, a certain time coming. Yeah. If you if this gets into the cut, which it won't, you all know why Mike needs his notebook. Oh, it's a very important note. <laughs> Where I keep my notes, like my avatar screening notes. Avatar. Which might even that that itself may even be like a fun sort of diversion to dive into at some point. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> Although maybe not. Oh no, that will be that will be a special Patreon special. Yeah, like I'm, it's gorgeous, but it's hollow. Anyway. Anyway, everybody, I think now's the time though that you go get your tickets for God's Creatures, cross breaking the waves off your overdue rentals list because let us know. You go go and watch it if you haven't seen it yet. Come back, let us know what you thought. Let us know if we should have been talking about something different in the movie. Maybe we missed something that we didn't bring up to Emily that we should have brought up to Emily that we can bring up to Emily next time we talk to her because God damn it, it's Emily Watson. I still want to ask her about her, her short role in Kingsman Golden Circle. Well, you, look, I, before we jump into the, the important notebook stuff, you know, this happens to me with everybody, with all, all actors or directors or, you know, people of fame, we'll put it, because but specifically more so in TV and film than, than music and, 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 uh, and books and so on and so forth, is that, you know, I'm going to remember them all from one thing or, or always connect them with something. When I hear Emily Watts' name, I definitely connect her always with Breaking the Waves. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Other people, it may be stuff like Punch Drunk Love. Younger kids right now are going to go and say like, hey, she's from Chernobyl, you know? And oh, but yes. yes, but seeing getting her to see stuff like the Kings in the Golden Circle, like just even though it's just like a bit thing, it's so fun. It's just so fun. It is because again, you're just so used to her being in these very sober and serious films, and it's lovely to see her do that sort of thing. Because like with any sort of actor that has that sort of uh, prestige, that sort of uh, reputation to them, it's like I'm glad you're taking a vacation from the heavy stuff, and you get to just have fun. Yeah. Though I don't know how much fun that was. I don't know. Faces melting off or vomiting or whatever it was. Although it is kind of funny that she was in Chernobyl and so was Stone Skarsgård. Yeah. Well, you know, these things happen. Yeah. You, but Mike. You, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Mike. Well, people are searching those things out. We told them where to find them. Where can they find us? Well, that's a very good question because when we're busy when we're not busy avoiding seaside towns because we'd like to keep our lives and not, you know, generally get depressed. Although I immediately revoke that because I kind of want to go to a seaside town now and, and find like who has a really good chowder, but also avoid, you know, Fung fungi clams. Oh, uh, avoid. See that? That's it right there. When we're not busy avoiding fungi clams or religious services without church bells. 
Mm. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, and on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. Also, if you want to email us love letters, suggestions, and comments on what we can do better, what movies we should do, and any appreciations for Emily Powerhouse Watson, you can send all of that stuff to OverdueRentals at gmail.com. But while we have you here, and while you're already on the internet, uh, you're not tying up the phone connection anymore because that's that's not how the internet works anymore. But while you're still on that marketplace that never closes, say you want to find more Overdue Rentals episodes. And why wouldn't you? Because when we have people like Emily Watson, Tim Roth, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, right there we have two people that are coming ba- that have come back or are coming back to the MCU. I'm not going to say we're responsible for that, but the subject has come up in previous episodes. If you want to hear those sorts of things, you or even hear us just chat with some of our friends, you can find that in our back catalog of 60-something episodes. And you can find those episodes wherever you ethically source your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, uh, basically wherever you find your ear, the, the, the pleasure for your ears, you can find us that's where you can find very that was a very disjointed sentence but whatever that is that is my indie movie moment we please your ears yes overdue rentals we please your ears warm your heart and feed you only the finest eye candy that depresses you to no end so one last request and then we'll let you out the door because we're closing up the shop and we have to restock these copies of breaking the waves because they've been flying off the shelves you can rate review and subscribe to our show on any of those platforms that we mentioned because we'd like to keep the overdue rental counter open we'd like to keep your favorite snacks uh your favorite drinks the movies that you really want to hear about the guests that you really want on here if you think anybody is a good fit we need the 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 clout the prestige if you will and that comes from knowing what you guys think of the show so we can kind of put it out there on, on the digital fridge and say hey we're cool but we wouldn't be cool if we didn't have our own custom sign-off. So, Matthew, I think it is time for us to end today's episode with a hearty blah-bye. On Mars! <laughs> Mars. <laughs>